Hey everyone, it's Russ Thornton and uh, welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. Uh, today I am uh, really happy to um, share a conversation with you uh, with my friend and colleague Tracy Gould Shinen. Uh, Tracy, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you, Russ. Thank you for having me on. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really glad you could join us and, and I'm really, uh, really excited to uh, talk about and share more about who you are and the, and the work you do. So, so with that in mind, why don't you kick things off by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I um, born and raised in Northern Virginia and then moved to South Carolina to go to college. I lived in Columbia for 19 years. I love South Carolina as a state, met my husband there. And when he was offered a job here in Atlanta, um, I jumped on it faster than he did because I thought it would be a great opportunity to live in a um, vibrant uh, city and raise our kids here. And it has been exactly that. It's been a great experience. So we moved here in about 2008 um, and I was able to transfer my work. I mean, 2008, 2009 was a little rough for everybody. So it wasn't a completely smooth transfer, but eventually we got it all figured out. And um and yeah, we've had a, a really great experience here in Atlanta. And um, I'm a mediator, and I it started that in South Carolina. And it was already really ingrained in the court systems here in Georgia, really, but particularly Atlanta. So it was a great opportunity to explore that work at a different level. And it, that has been just an amazing experience um, mediating court cases. Um, on site and, and in, in court offices. It's been um, very, very valuable experience. Yeah, well, I, I'm interested in diving more into your work as a mediator and, you know, exploring what, what that is, what it involves, um, that sort of thing. But before we jump into that, um, I'm sure um, some, if not most of the people listening to this, um, aren't going to be as familiar with you as say your family or friends, um, what's something in, what's a, what's something interesting about you that maybe most people wouldn't be aware, of, even those that that know you pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, growing up in Northern Virginia was a really unique experience. Um, anybody who lives there will tell you that their next door neighbor might be a diplomat or a newscaster or a congressperson. Um, it's such a um, globally diverse area. And my parents were in politics. My mom was born and raised DC and my dad moved there in his 20s. So that that was a that was a really cool experience, you know, especially now that I look back and as, as an adult, then it was just kind of normal. Um, but I was exposed to all kinds of pretty fascinating experiences and met all walks of life and 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 different um government folks. And um, one thing that um, is pretty neat that I still really value is that I had the opportunity to go to three different presidential inaugurations. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And they, they are awesome experiences. And I I mean that word as it's meant (laughs) they're, they're big and they're crowded and they're full of energy and excitement and there's all this pomp and circumstance and you you just feel so honored and humbled to even be in the crowd. Um, it, 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 and I know politics have gotten kind of polarized lately. I will say that regardless of where you fall ideologically, going to that kind of important ceremony is huge and impactful and really exciting. Um, I don't, I don't know if even all my friends know that one, but yeah, that, that's a pretty um, great. Mem- those three times are great memories that I have. Yeah. That, thanks for sharing that. That's uh, that's, that's really cool. And, and I'm sure that's gotta be nice to look back on. Um, yeah. I'm curious, do you think, uh, do you think your experience both with your mom and dad growing up kind of in a, you know, in the DC area, do you think that's, carried over or influenced your work today as a mediator at all? For sure. Um, they, you know, back in the, the 70s and 80s and even early 90s, 
the way government and politics worked was much more collaborative than it seems to be now. So party lines weren't as strict. So, you know, my, my parents would work on issues and, you know, help people run for office and you would, they would work with both sides um, and all walks of life. So it was very inclusive, very collaborative. Even if folks disagreed, they found ways to work together. There was a high level of respect. And, you know, at the time, especially as a kid, I didn't realize how important that was. Um, But I see it now, not only because where politics are kind of hard right now, but also as it's definitely influenced me as a mediator. I see where just because you disagree with somebody does not mean you can't figure it out. (laughs) You can still solve the problem, come up with a better solution that works for everybody, at least mostly compromise. Um, It's entirely possible. So in that way, I think it instilled a, a, a sort of a I don't know, like an expectation that like, no, yeah, we can figure this out. It's not impossible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 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 thanks for sharing. I think that's super interesting. And, and I think that's actually a, a kind of a nice segue into what I wanted to ask you next, which is around your work as a mediator. Um, I think I suspect a lot of people out there listening um, have an idea of what mediation is or what it involves, especially as it relates to relationships, divorce, separation, um, things of that nature. But could you describe kind of your work as a mediator and, and do it in, in really simple terms? Um, maybe, maybe like you were explaining it to a child just so uh, everyone can kind of digest and get their arms around it. Yeah, yeah, sure. So essentially, it's two people who disagree, two people who are maybe in a fight or in an argument or, or um Let's see, I'm thinking like talking to to a kid, right? And this is what I used to explain to my kids. So we've got two people who are in an argument, who are in a fight and disagree. They see things differently. They want different things and they're having a hard time talking about it. And so what a mediator does is come in and they don't take sides. They don't say who's right or wrong. Um, and they help each each person um, explain themselves in a way that the other person can better understand it so that they can find um, something that they might both agree on. And then they can solve the problem and move on without staying in a fight for a long time. Perfect. And I, <laughs> and I love the fact that the name of your... Um, mediation company is Clarity Mediation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd love to get your perspective on this, but it seems to me that the way you just des- described the work you do is really about um, helping each of the parties involved get a better clarity or understanding of the other person's perspective, um, maybe help helping them, you know, kind of cross um, uh kind of build a bridge maybe uh, to be a little bit more empathetic towards each other, even if, even if they're not on the best of terms, even if they disagree, um, any, any thoughts kind of around that and why you chose the word clarity to kind of, um, you know, brand your mediation practice? Yeah, that that's definitely one angle of it is getting clear about the other person's perspective. Um, even if you disagree with it, Um, Once you become more understanding of it, it does build empathy. And that helps us when we're in an argument with somebody sort of release our defenses a little bit, which makes it more likely to resolve the situation. It also, when you have, the reason I chose the word clarity is it's not just about understanding the other person, but understanding ourselves better. So when we're in a conflict and we've got a problem or a challenge, When we can figure out ourselves in terms of why do I really want this? What's important to me? What can I? What do I absolutely need? What am I willing to do? What am I unwilling to sort of personal boundaries and priorities? We get more clear on that. Then you're better able to make some decisions that move you forward. So even when in a mediation, if some things don't get resolved, it's entirely possible that you mediate and you don't have a resolution at the table. Um, side note, usually when you mediate and you don't have a resolution at the table, you often come to agreement later because you sort of marinate on the things and it becomes more clear and it comes to light. So there's this 
high settlement rate after mediation, particularly for court cases. Um, but even if you don't settle or agree um, or come to resolution, that's a form of clarity. It may be like simply that's where you are right now. Like I cannot compromise on this and they can't compromise on that. And that's just sort of where it puts them. Now it opens up a whole new set of questions. Okay, well, now what? <laughs> so now you're clear on that. And now what's going to happen next? Yeah, interesting. And I know I know earlier, Tracy, you mentioned that you've been um, working in mediation since back in your South Carolina, South Carolina days uh, mm-hmm. prior to coming to Atlanta. So how long, how long have you been working um, as a mediator or in the field of mediation? I say that I started as a professional mediator in August of 1999, because that's when I started getting paid for it. But I had volunteered previously, I guess, probably 1995, if I'm recalling right. Yeah, maybe 94. I first trained in mediation in like 93, 94. But there wasn't anywhere to really do it at the time in Columbia, South Carolina. It wasn't really happening. Um, And then I came on as a um, volunteer arbitrator for juveniles. Um, There was this very innovative program in Lexington, South Carolina for first time. Program, they would come to arbitration and um, it was very community based. We'd have them, parents, the victim, the cop, um, maybe a teacher or, you know, a social worker all around the table talking about what happened um, and what might be a good remedy for this kid to, you know, help them do right <laughs> from then on. And I was kind of a bad arbitrator because I kept really mediating, I realized, um, and but it was it was very rewarding. And it, right around the same time in Columbia, um, some folks were gathering to create a community mediation center. They wanted to have mediation as an option in the community for anybody who wanted to solve their problems peacefully, privately, amicably, outside of court, you know, free or low cost. And so I got in on that effort and we worked for a number of years. Um, pulling it all together and, and making it formal, um, board of directors, the whole thing, and got to the point of hiring an executive director. And by then, I was already working on my master's in peace studies, and I was in love with mediation. And so I just asked, hey, can, can I have that job? <laughs> so I put my name in the hat and applied with the other applicants, and they picked me gratefully. I was pretty young. I was only like 27. I really didn't know what I was doing to lead an organization, but um, we had a lot of great successes, and that was an incredible experience. And that was the August of 99, um, where I became a full-time um, executive director, but as a mediator. So... That's how, what's that, 22 years, I guess? Yeah, yeah. And, and it sounds like you've got a, a pretty diverse and rich background and in, in history that's kind of gotten you to the point where you are today. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned something along, yeah, you mentioned something about that juvenile program about arbitration. And I don't, I don't want to get too far um, off uh, on a tangent here, but could you speak just for a moment, like, what is arbitration and how is that different than mediation? Yeah, sure. Good question, because they get mixed up a lot, understandably. Basically, the difference is the arbitrator is going to make the decisions for the parties. They're going to hear everybody and help them try to come to some compromises. But ultimately, they're going to say, here's the solution. Here's the resolution. Here's what you're going to do. Here's the outcome. Sort of like a judge would. Um, And then mediation, we don't tell people what to do as mediators. We don't make the decisions for them. We lead them to the place where they make the decision for themselves. Perfect. Yeah, thanks. I I agree. I think a lot of people maybe confuse those terms or think they're one and the same, and, and clearly, clearly they're not. Um, so in your 20 plus years of doing this work, um, what, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you help people address or solve through mediation? Uh, I think it's... <sighs> helping them let or guiding them, you know, really to let go of what they probably need to, to move forward. So it's, 
you know, any kind of these conflicts are, are emotionally laden and um, we get really wrapped up in people, other people's actions and the impact it's had on us. And some of it is, um, you know, factual, <laughs> some of it's perception. Um, some of it we might blow out a portion because it triggers us from other experiences we've had and, and it can feel extraordinarily overwhelming and it makes it really hard to get past the conflict at hand. Um, and so with mediation, it's a, it's a very, um, you know, patient process. So we give people the time to work through, you know, what, like I said before, what is important to them and ultimately what really isn't that important anymore? What can you let go of? so that you can resolve this problem in front of you and then get on with the rest of your life and move forward. So it's not weighing you down anymore. That's a, a real sort of intangible piece of the work that is um, most important. And, and how do, how do people, how do you get hired? I guess, um, is it a, a person realizes that they're having a conflict or they need some help you know, kind of making some decisions in their relationship and one of them reaches out to you? Are you brought in by a divorce attorney, for example, or how, how do you typically get involved in a mediation? Both, both of those. So sometimes uh, divorce attorneys um, have been working with their clients for a while. They've made a lot of progress and got a lot of work done. They're at the point um, where they want to settle the case outside of court usually um, meaning not le- leaving it up to the judge. Um, and so they bring in a mediator. So sometimes I'm contacted by the attorneys. And then um, other times folks who have not hired attorneys yet contact me. Um, either they're not ready to ha- talk to attorneys, they're trying to keep it simple, they're trying to keep the costs down. Um, they're worried that if they hire attorneys, it will uh, escalate um, in not only in cost, but like in the conflict and in intensity. Um, and they want to do it privately and quietly. And so they reach out to see if they can, for example, I do a lot of divorce mediation to see if they can work through their divorce and the issues related to that um, privately and with with just me, <laughs> not a whole circus of people. <laughs> Yeah, and would you would you say that's accurate? Um, people's uh, people's perspective that mediation is typically going to be less costly, um, uh, hopefully uh, involve less conflict, and 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 I would imagine based on my limited experience, it, it's probably going to take a lot less time than say a litigated divorce. Absolutely, definitely. Yeah, all that. <laughs> and and am I um, and I maybe I'm off base here, but it's my understanding that I don't know if it's just in like Metro Atlanta or maybe the entire state of Georgia. But uh, once a divorce is filed, isn't um, isn't mediation um, mandated uh, as as an attempt to settle or dissolve the marriage prior to going to any other lengths? Yes. Yep. Exactly. If the divorce is contested in any way on any point, the judge in Georgia is going to order mediation at some point. You might have a hearing here or there ahead of time, but at some point the judge is going to order mediation. So I recommend that folks, A, do as much as they can on their own if they're amicable enough. Um, and then you know, ultimately mediate before they file with court. You know, it's totally fine to bring in attorneys and financial folks that can be, you know, we can build a great team of people to help these, you know, divorcing people settle their matters privately. But if you do it all ahead of time before you file, then you file an uncontested divorce and it kind of sails through the court system a lot easier than if it goes in as an, as a contested. Um, so ultimately you're going to have to mediate anyway. You might as well choose when you do it and who you do it with. Yeah. I, I think that's an interesting, um, an interesting point that I, I think there's a lot to be said for being proactive as opposed to just waiting and being told, all right, well, now you need to go to mediation or now you need to do this or that, that or the other. I think it's worth, um, you know, doing some, Research and due diligence, reaching out to folks like Tracy and, and, you know, being proactive and trying to find as conflict free a solution as possible. Yeah. Um, 
So Tracy, you've been doing this a while. You've worked with, I can't even imagine how many uh, clients or couples. What's a, what's a favorite client success story or, or outcome that comes to mind for you? It's, it's when they move from being really mad at each other. <laughs> like they can't even, they don't even want to be in the same room. In, and if it's on video, they don't want to be in the same video room. Um, they are having a hard time, like even coming up with proposals because they're just so mad from history with this other person and, and the resentments are there and, and they're scared, of course. Um, they're not sure what the future holds. And, and so they're feeling vulnerable, their trust is low. Um, and I'm going back and forth, you know, kind of carrying these information pieces and, and trying to help them um, get to a place where they can make some smart decisions for themselves. And then something clicks. Um, sometimes it just takes time. Sometimes somebody makes a concession. Uh, sometimes it's outside information. They get you know, some financial or legal information that changes the game and their whole demeanor changes and they become almost a different person. And they realize it would, you know, they get to a place where they're able to say, all right, let's just figure this out. And it's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And it, and I, I can't give you a specific person because it's confidential, but when that happens with clients, it's beautiful. <laughs> I just, I love it. I had a case last year that that happened. It, we were in a really, it just got tougher and tougher and tougher. And I was worried it was going to become this protracted positional bargaining, just back and forth without any, you know, real um, progress being made. And then I took a break. I just slowed the whole thing down and kind of put things off for a little bit. And it worked. It, that doesn't always work, but it worked. They just needed to take a break and sort of let their emotions rest. Yeah, that's... And when we got back together, they were I'm like, you have? That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, well, th- yeah, thanks for sharing that. I, um, it's... From your perspective, I got I got to think it's very uh, rewarding and feels good to kind of see the proverbial light bulb go off above, oh, above yeah. someone's head and see their kind of shoulders relax and they they can maybe start to see the light at the end of the at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's great. It's really great. What what's what's something that surprised you most about your work over the years? One of the surprises I love um, is. You know, we all have uh, um, we all have our prejudices and our judgments and our assumptions about certain types of people, even if we don't want to admit it <laughs> or we don't think we do. We do, you know, like whether it's a class issue or uh, what county you live in or in town or out of town or what part of town, what school you went to, you know, those kinds of things. When when my assumptions get busted, I love it. Um, there have been several, many, many times um, in court. Um, what happens in the court cases, let's say we're in normal times and we're all in, a, in human, in person together, we'll be in the courtroom with the judge and all the staff and all the people, the lawyers, and, and it's a huge, big, crowded room. And there's a lot of tension because you know most of us, most people don't know what the heck's going on. Um, the judge calls the case and then says, you guys have you mediated yet? They say no. And he says, go to mediation right now. And then he says, Tracy, the mediator, go with them. And so the three of us stand up, walk through the courtroom, and we go into this tiny little conference room. You know, in my brain, I take one look at folks and I make some judgments. I can't help it. I'm like, oh, you look like you might be highly educated. You look like you just got out of prison. Like (laughs) your brain goes to these places automatically. And then the ones that I have these negative assumptions about blow my mind with their wisdom and their intelligence or their kindness. And I slap myself mentally for having like, why you're you're awful for thinking these things. Um, And then I'm so grateful that my assumptions got challenged and it's just a wonderful experience to be reminded not to judge people who do not judge book by its cover because you just really don't know until you get to know them. Yeah. Interesting. What, and maybe 
kind of a somewhat related question or maybe, maybe kind of a, a, the other side of the coin. Um, and I ask this question a lot of my guests and, and I'm always interested because um, I, I find like psychology and decision-making and, and, you know, I just find it fascinating, but let, let, yeah. What, what, what would you say prevents people from following your advice? And, and I'm not sure you're giving advice in the classic sense. I think you're more facilitating a, a conversation, but um, what, what, what do you think is, and, and I think you've already touched on some of them, but what's the sticking point? What's what prevents people from, being able to meet the other party in the middle or to able uh, to be able to, you know, kind of find middle ground, make decisions and, and move, move forward, make progress. It could be an, a couple of different things or a number of different things. Uh, sometimes the resentment from leftover from the relationship as it was, is just still so intense for that person. They haven't been able to work through it. Um, they're still living in it. They're not able to give a kindness to the other person or to compromise because they're just still so hurt and mad at them. Um, so they're not there yet. Maybe, you know, another month or eight <laughs> or another year or two, they might get there. Um, sometimes, um, you know, sometimes it's again a fear based thing. They don't know. Um, what impact their decision is going to have. And so they're scared to compromise, scared to agree to anything. Um, and that, that keeps them from saying yes to anything except, yes, I don't want to mediate anymore. Or, yes, I don't want to talk anymore. Um, and then, you know, some of it could be you know, maturity levels. Um, people get stuck in fights and they aren't seeing the bigger picture of life that this is just one relationship and all the relationships in your life. And this is one snapshot of time in your entire lifetime. And they're, they're so in the moment in a negative way that they, they can't get out of it. Um, and that might be, you know, a youth thing. It might just be a maturity thing. Um, and then you've got your, you know, more serious mental health issues um, and personality disorders. I've, I've seen my handful of um, pretty clear, um, either psychologically impaired folks or straight up <laughs> personality disorder folks <laughs> at court where um, they're just not nice people or their mental health makes it, they don't know how to be nice people. Um, so yeah. it, it could be any number of those. Interesting. Yeah, I um, again, I, I I just find the I find the whole process of communicating with and trying to help people make decisions that are in their most in in their own best interest. But sometimes they have resistance for all of the reasons or all the um, explanations you just covered and more. Um, but I I find it just fascinating how um, how we can unintentionally be our own worst enemies in, in a lot of situations. Um, Some people are really stuck with revenge. You know, yeah. they, yeah, they want to get back at that person that hurt them. And so they're not going to give anything. Uh, um, yeah. And, yeah. In my experience working with women dealing with or going through the divorce process, I've experienced the same thing where oh they're God. more focused on how can I inflict pain on <laughs> my soon to be ex rather than what can I do to protect my, myself, my children, um, and, and, you know, make a life for myself. And, and that can be, that can, <laughs> that can be really costly because if that's your attitude and you're sticking with it, that's typically means you're gonna have to lawyer up and go to court and that can, <laughs> that can really go the other way quickly, but, um, yeah. you could probably speak more to that than I can. And it, it, it costs more. Um, and then the psychological toll on not only the spouse that you're trying to punish or the person you're trying to punish, but it beats your own self up too. It's hard work. Litigating yeah. is really draining. Um, you don't know when your hearings are going to be. You don't know how long the hearings are going to be. You don't know what's going to happen at the hearings. There's so many unknowns. And every minute with your attorney, the dollar is going up. That's another unknown. And um, you might think you're you know, there for the battle and you're going to win and you don't even care if you do win, you just want to make them be there for the battle. But 
you're really damaging yourself too. Well, and, and kids as well. Even uh, even oh if God. even a kid, if kids are grown and out of the house, and even if they have their own families, I mean, they're still your children, um, and your spouse is still their parent. And so, I, I think it can have, you know long-lasting impacts on relationships with your kids as well, for better or worse. Yeah, for sure. I just finished certification training um, to be a parent coordinator, which um, is where a high-conflict couple gets through their divorce, um, but they're still so um, contentious that the court orders them to work with a parent coordinator to help them transition from being a married, you know, air quotes, romantic style couple to a business type couple because you got kids to raise and your fighting is hurting the kids and it needs to stop. And so your co-parenting now needs to transition into how do we do this neutrally and well so that the kids don't see any more conflict. And I'm hoping that more judges use people like us because <laughs> yeah. it's so important. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. We might have to have you back on a um, on a future episode, and you can tell us a bit more about your work in that area because I, I okay, think cool. that's uh, I think that's got to be uh, equally interesting and and challenging as well. So, um, so so Tracy, let's say a college student or maybe like a a senior in high school. Um, let's say they listen to this and they're thinking, you know, I'd kind of like to be involved in the legal field, but maybe I don't want to go to law school or maybe I don't want to be a paralegal. Um, maybe mediation sounds interesting. Um, what advice or guidance would you give to them if, if they're interested in learning more or, or potentially pursuing a career in uh, the field of mediation? I'd say good for you. We need more peacemakers. <laughs> um, and to, um, if they're interested in law, um, they don't have to go to become a lawyer. They can um, get a master's in law or they can become a, you know, go to paralegal school. It, it, it's helpful to have legal information under your belt. Um, but there's some, of course, it's not required. And, um, you know, folks come to mediation from social work or counseling also or education or just anywhere. So it's not required. That's one myth that I think is important to know. You don't have to be a lawyer, um, but legal information helps as well as um, mental health information. So any opportunities to you know learn in those areas is a good um, sort of primer to get into mediation. Um, and also that you can mediate in so many different fields, not just family, but even within family, you've got senior care, adolescent divorce, but then there's business, um, real estate, and then um, global, um, you know, there's diplomatic work. So to connect with somebody who's been mediating for a while and get their experience would be a great way for a young person to um, or more than one to get stories from them about how they got where they did, what they do, um, and how they get their work. Because it's kind of a, I don't know what the right word is, but unlike becoming um, a teacher or a lawyer, there's not a clear path, which I think I just demonstrated in saying how you might get different information. There's not a, a crystal clear path. There are now master's degrees in conflict resolution that weren't around 20 years ago so much. Um, so that is a way to go if you're looking for a higher level of education. Um, and then, yeah, see if you can hook on with some mentors uh, to gain experience um, through them or with them. My court experience was just, you know, invaluable. They don't, you know, let anybody in. You have to have a good amount of experience under your belt before they let you go to court. But to, if you could shadow somebody, that'll be very illuminating. Um, and then, to be honest, it, it takes a, a good bit of self-promotion. Um, so learn some marketing skills, you brush up on your confidence, get yourself out there to network, um, because most, if not all my referrals now are word of mouth. Um, there, it, it's, there's a lot of self-promotion that's needed to, to get the work. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that. I, I you know... This podcast is Women's Retirement Radio. Um, 
the bulk of my focus is women and their families, you know, as they're kind of looking ahead to retirement or to the next chapter of their lives. And a, and a big part of my audience's um, life is their kids. And so I'm, I'm always interested to kind of um, hear what advice you'd have for um, young adults um, as, as they're maybe looking ahead and thinking about what they want to do with their lives or career wise or, or things like that. So, so I appreciate you sharing all that. Um, with, again, kind of under the theme of women's retirement radio, I think you and I, uh, Tracy, initially met um, because I was doing a lot of work with women that were going through the divorce process, and I, I still continue to do some of that. Um, but I'm curious, when you think about the word retirement, um, what comes to mind for you personally? I can't wait. <laughs> Um, can I do that now? No, I do love my work, but I also look forward to having some easy days in the future. Um, with that, I know it takes um, smart planning and years of it um, to retire well. Um, for me um, personally, um, you know that's something that's been on my radar for a while and having watched family and friends do it whether well or not so well. Um, has been impactful. Um, and then it, it has influenced my work too, because, you know, folks come out of divorce and um, sometimes it can cost them some money because together you can make more. And if you have to divide your retirement or if you haven't um, worked and you haven't contributed and, and the other person has, then that's a whole conversation. And, um, you know, making it safe and secure for both parties is is paramount, of course. Um, I, I feel like that is you. You do such important work because it's an area that is really lacking, um, particularly for women. Um, it's just not—I don't know—it's not really made a priority in the way it should be. I feel like for for all of us, but particularly women, like people don't realize how important it is to start as soon as you, as soon as you leave the nest, <laughs> start putting some money away and keep doing it. Um, and then get good advice so that you're doing it well and right. It's a real under, um, you know, not focused on area that, um, you know, personally, I, I, you know, we've got plans, but until I see it, I'm going to always be sort of nervous about it. Um, because it's, it's, I think it's something that isn't talked about enough and we're undereducated on the importance of it. Do you, and may, maybe you don't know, but do you, do you, do you think of retirement in the more traditional sense of I'm going to work up until a certain point in time, and then I'm going to basically quit work and just, you know, pursue things that I've always wanted to do or didn't have time to do when I was working full time, or because of the fact that you you know, own and operate your own mediation practice, uh, which I assume gives you the flexibility to maybe continue to work, but maybe at a, at a reduced capacity. Do you think you would always continue to work even, you know, into what we might otherwise call, and I'm saying air quotes, retirement? I'm not sure. Um, I could see still doing some work in later years, um, which are getting not so far away, the <laughs> more the days tick on. Um, I could see doing, you know, still some work, but I could also see the more traditional sense and doing no work and, you know, just like doing reading, doing yoga, going for a walk, maybe kayaking, cooking. <laughs> like I, I could do fine without working. Um, but I say that now I, I might find that, um, you know, I, I need more um, purpose and, um, constructive, important things to do with my time than, than just reading books. <laughs> so I'm not quite sure. We'll see. Well, and that's a, that's a perfect answer because, uh, you know, uh, retirement. And the reason I asked the question is retirement means or um, holds a different place for virtually everyone I talk to. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always just interested to kind of explore and, and get a, a little bit of context around kind of what it what it looks like in your mind. So, so thanks for sharing that. Um, and I, I think you kind of touched on this a little bit um, when we were talking a minute ago around retirement, but um, specifically for women, but when you're thinking about um, women generally in retirement, what do you think's the biggest challenge that they face? That still, even with the um, 
changes in um, roles women play in the family, I still have um, a lot of cases where the traditional setup where the man has worked and at a, a company that has helped with retirement and the woman has not, you know, maybe not at all, or maybe here or there, but no 401k, um, certainly no pension. Um, and they're, they're sort of behind the eight ball. They don't even know what these things are, you know, how they're going to, it's, it's a difficult conversation to try to equalize these things. Um, it is not uncommon for the person with the retirement plan through their job, usually the male, but not always, um, feels like it's his and he doesn't really want to share it. And then she's over here freaking out because she's like, well, I-, I thought we were in this together. And while you were off working hard at your job, I was doing these hundred million things at home with the kids um, and the house. And so I, I expected we'd share in that. Um, those are still, that conversation still happens and it's, it's a hard one. Um, and women um, still do these roles and are sometimes left out. So I think it's very important that um, both people in a marriage um, either have a prenup or both contribute in some way. Just do it all along the way. Um, you're probably a better advisor on that than I am, but it makes me nervous when I see these lopsided numbers and these um, sort of seemingly antiquated attitudes towards whose money is whose, but it, they're not gone. These are still how people think. Well, and I, and I think it harkens back to a comment you made earlier about mediation and how um, how people can be stuck and not be able to move forward because they don't really have clarity or understanding of what their financial picture may look like. Um, and, and that maybe, maybe, maybe more often than not, that's the uh, wife or the woman in the relationship. Maybe not, but um, I've, I've certainly experienced that where um, even if uh, both spouses have worked, um, just kind of through natural division of labor in a relationship, uh, one spouse typically kind of takes the financial lead in the family. And traditionally it's, um, been the husband, but that's not always the case. Um, and so even for women that have worked their entire lives and have accumulated their own uh, retirement or pension or savings, they still might not have a sense of what they've accumulated, um, how that relates in context to their overall family finances. So I, um, I agree. I, I think there's a real opportunity there to get more involved uh, and on the same page, even if, even if one spouse continues to kind of be the, the quote financial lead in the family, I think, uh, I think it certainly um, warrants both people being, you know, having regular discussions and just kind of being on the same page as, as much as, as much as possible. Yes, yes, I agree. That's the, the um, kind of marriage where the communication is open like that. Um, I, I always want folks to include in that regular discussions around money. Um, you know, what do we have? What what do we owe? Um, what are our plans? What are our visions and goals? Where do they match up? Where do they differ? Um, and so that it's, it really needs to be an ongoing conversation that, that some of the saddest cases are where one person gets to the courthouse literally, and they have no idea what the finances are or, um, aren't, (laughs) um, and, and it's a real shock in addition to the relationship dissolving. Now they've got all these financial things to figure out and it's really, really hard. So that, that's one of the first things I have folks do when they come to me is um, financial work. There's, you know, like figure out what, what is your, what do you spend and, and what do you earn? Um, what do you owe? And, um, you know, what accounts, what assets do you have? Um, and most of the time people are, um, you know, once they get on the other side of it, because it's a bit of a chore, if they haven't done it in a while or ever, they're glad to have that information. Like, I didn't realize I spent that much on takeout. Wow, that's a lot. Or no, I didn't know our house was maybe valued at that, or that's what our equity is, or, you know, any any of those sorts of pieces that are important. Um, 
it's good information to have. It's necessary information to have when you're divorcing, but it's good information to have all along the way. And the more transparency you can have in your marriage about it, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, So I think we've kind of been dancing around this topic with our last couple of uh, questions and things we've been talking about, but from your perspective, Tracy, how would you say that your work impacts women um, as they plan for or transition into retirement? So because money is a big part of the discussion in divorce, it, it forces that conversation. Um, If either person has um, a retirement account or accounts, it has to be discussed and dealt with in divorce. So the, the woman in particular, like I said before, often, not always, not even these days, not even usually, I don't make assumptions about that anymore, but it is not uncommon that she has nothing in her name in, in under the retirement umbrella. Um, it's a lot of education for her. So, um, you know, I encourage my folks to have, get financial advice and to hook up with an advisor, um, you know, during and post um, divorce process. Um, so when particularly the woman just hasn't been the money person in the family, um, she's learning all kinds of new things um, on the fly. And included in that is what does my retirement look like? Will I be able to retire at what age and on how much? And what do I need to make up any gaps at this point? Um, what is an IRA versus a 401k versus a pension? There's a lot of learning um, that often needs to happen. And it is particularly um, with women. And again, that's where, you know, I'm like, well, let's slow down and take a pause while you go find somebody to talk to <laughs> so and give you some expert professional advice on this because um, it's a very critical time um, for making retirement decisions, divorces. Yeah. Yeah. No, no kidding. And, and some of those decisions can have long lasting impacts for the rest of their lives. Um, yeah. And, and, and I agree. It, it certainly is worth the time and effort to make sure you understand the choices before you just do what your friend said that here's what I did or whatever the case yeah. may be. Um, Cause everybody's situation can be a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Tracy, this has been so fun. I, I think you and I could easily talk for another hour or more without uh, without breaking a sweat. Um, but as we start to wrap up, um, I always like to ask my guests um, just to get to know uh, and share a little bit more about you personally. And I, I think you've touched on a couple of these things when we were talking about what retirement looks like for you. But when you've got an hour or two to yourself, um, if you have an hour to 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 yourself uh, from time to time, how do, how do you most enjoy spending your time? I, um, fortunately I have two amazing kids. They're older teens now. So I do have time to myself sometimes, unlike, you know, 10 years ago or so. Um, and when I do, it might be, um, a walk. It might be other exercise, exercise like yoga. It might be some gardening or reading, or it very likely might be a nap. I really love the afternoon naps. I think I might be a cat in a former life. I'm not sure. So um, don't tell anyone. <laughs> but around three o'clock, you know, I might be uh, catching some Z's for about 20, 30 minutes, and then I'm back at it. <laughs> well, your secret is safe with uh, me and anyone who happens to listen to this. But um, I agree. I think naps are way underrated. Um, I think everybody could do with a little bit more napping from time to time. So uh, yeah. so that's great. Yeah, thanks for sharing. How, how are your kids now? 18 and 15. Oh, wow. So you're about to have one uh, heading out of the house, huh? Yeah. Yes. And he just graduated and um, making some decisions on the fall. It's been such a weird year for seniors. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't um, imagine. I feel so bad for how this is. I, I feel bad how for how this has upended everyone's lives. But, you know, yeah, yeah all especially the- like not getting graduations and just like the, the normal kind of rites of passage of leaving high school and things like that has just been. Yeah. Kind of thrown out the window, unfortunately. It is. So I was like, you know, there are no rules anymore. Let's just, what do you want to do? I don't care. Let's, you know, (laughs) what's going to make you happy at this point and, and um, help you thrive. Let's figure that out. So, 
Yeah. Well, good luck. I know, I know some, sounds like some big decisions ahead in your household uh, in the, in the coming weeks and months. Um, Tracy, if, if there were one thing that our listeners could take away from our conversation today, and we've, we've covered a lot and I've, like I said, I've really enjoyed the conversation, but if there were one thing they could take away from our discussion, what would you want that one thing to be? I want folks to know mediation is always an option. It's very friendly. It's very amicable. Um, we're nice people. <laughs> um, and it's, a, it's a, a great way to get problems and with other people and differences with other people resolved privately and low cost. And um, you get to maintain the control. It's still your decision. No one telling you what to do, just helping you get there. And you're based uh, like I I am. You're based in the Atlanta area, so I'm assuming you're primarily working with people in the metro Atlanta area. Yes, that's right. So let's say there's someone listening to this, and and they they said, you know, they're thinking of this. I love everything that Tracy said, and um, you know, I, I don't know if I need mediation, but I'd certainly like to talk to her and learn more. What's the best way for people to get in touch, learn more about you, and and the work you do? The best way is for someone to schedule a chat with me. They can do that at my website at www.claritymediation.net. There's a scheduling tab there and just pick the consultation. And that way um, it's a time that works for you, a time that works for me. And we just hop on a call and I'm happy to answer any questions. Perfect. And I'll, uh, I'll be sure to include a link to your website and your LinkedIn profile in the, in the show notes for this episode as well. So people can find you and reach out if they've uh, got questions or want to discuss things further. Um, anything uh, as we're wrapping up, anything else you want to add or anything we didn't touch on that you wanted to make sure we uh, shared with our listeners today, Tracy? We've covered it for mediation. I just want to thank you again for having me on here. I love spreading the word and um, your work and mine really intersect importantly. So um, I appreciate your having me on. Yeah, well, this has been fun. And uh, like uh, like I said, we'll have to have you on again down the road to uh, to continue the, the conversation. Um, That'd be great. So uh, yeah, everyone out there, thanks again for listening. Um, This is Russ Thornton. This has been another episode of Women's Retirement Radio, and uh, I look forward to catching up with you on the next one. It's Russ again. And before you go, I want to provide a brief disclosure. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of wealth care capital management.